This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telski delays opening day. Local governments talk regional rec center. The power of poetry with Joy Harjo and a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Ski Resort is delaying its opening day. Based on all the weather and conditions we're dealing with right now, and so we're delaying the opening till December 2nd or December 8th. That's Patrick Latcham, Vice President of Marketing and Sales for Telski, speaking on Kodo on Tuesday. And we're going to make the, the final call on that on November 27th. So the thought process there is, you know, we don't want to set a date and then have to push it back again. We want to be transparent with everyone that, you know, we're not exactly sure what the weather holds 10 days from now. And um, and that's what's going to really impact our decision is, is what the weather holds. Latcham notes the lack of snow is obviously due to the lack of precipitation, but it's also the inability to make snow given the temperatures. We just haven't had the, you know, the cold enough temperatures, especially during the day. Um, we've, we've had some of them at night and our snowmaking team's taken full advantage of those and um, and our snowmaking system is, you know, it's amazing the amount of snow we've made and that it was even a close call, honestly. And um, But we are where we are just due with, you know, it's been 55 <laughs> yeah, during the day here. Director of Mountain Sales Carson Taylor says the open terrain will vary slightly depending on the day the resort opens. Our goal is the traditional uh, top of four to bottom of four, which is going to be village bypass to lower boomerang. We'll, we'll, you know, strive to mix in Upper Misty Maiden in that, in that, in that opening scenario. Um, you know, both the Magic Carpets uh, for Ski School, um, you know, the one there at the Gondola Plaza and the other learning carpet right there at the top of Chair 1 next to the Peaks Trail. And then the Meadows, right, um, from top, to, top of 1 to bottom of 1. And then also, you know, we'll, we'll strive to also open... Uh, double cabins from the gondola parking garage so you can park and access the mountain from the parking garage to the bottom of one. That would be as much I feel like that we could open on the second. If the resort pushes to the eighth, there's the opportunity for potentially more terrain. You know, fortunately, like like lift, lift pods like chair five don't take a whole lot of a whole lot of love to really get open, you know, so that we could potentially see a, a more robust opening if we punt to the eighth. But we also understand the demand and we want to, you know, we, d- we definitely want to want to focus on getting, you know, pass holders and anyone who's dedicated their 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 time, energy, money to visiting Telluride. So if we can get the second, we'll do that. Uh, but if not, the eighth could be a little bit more robust. This is the third year in a row the ski resort is delaying its opening day. Latcham says there have been preliminary conversations on shifting the dates of the ski season, but there are challenges, including flights in and out of the region. You know, on top of being a remote resort, another hurdle we have is our our tradition and culture of spring break. You know, we have, um, you know, a small, tight community and our teachers, our students, you know, a lot of our work, everyone who works here enjoys taking off. And, and totally checking out. And that's that's a factor, too, and something that has come up during these conversations. And like I said, they're in early stage and, and certainly worth exploring more. 
Latcham Taylor and Ski Patroller of 50 Years, Sako, joined KOTO for an off-the-record program on Tuesday discussing the upcoming ski season. Find the entire conversation at KOTO.org under the News tab or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for KOTO Community Radio News. Local governments are once again taking up the conversation of a regional recreation center. It comes from a number of discussions that I've had around our community where, you know, many people, um, particularly uh, those with kids, have expressed, you know, a desire to have a rec center that um, provides for even more recreation opportunities than our amazing location already provides naturally and through our town park. That's Mountain Village Town Council member Scott Pearson speaking at an intergovernmental meeting this week with representatives from Mountain Village, Telluride, Ophir, Norwood, and San Miguel County. Recognizing that there are lots of other competing demands on resources, recognizing we have a gondola issue, we have a medical center need. Um, but even with all of that, whether um, we want to start taking that first step towards thinking about what what a rec center would look like, how much it would cost, what are some sites that might be feasible for it, what are some options for for paying for it, um, and whether there's, you know, there's as much interest in the community as as I'm hearing. The sentiment from other governments was a resounding yes. Telluride has, according to town manager Scott Robson, already budgeted for a feasibility study. This has been a point of discussion uh, in 2023, and we'll have, I believe, $20,000 in our budget that will roll over. Um, it's earmarked for regional rec center feasibility study. So uh, we've got a little, you know, a, a small portion there earmarked. It's definitely on our council's radar over the last few years, and I think we would generally agree that. Um, there's a regional need and there's a, a, a desire to take some next steps around the, the, the feasibility. San Miguel County Commissioner Chris Holstrom agrees with the want and need. The details, of course, are always what um, what it comes down to. But we hear every time we bring this up that, yes, we have this huge, beautiful place to recreate in. And that is absolutely true. But not everybody can access the outdoors in the same way. So I think it does make sense from my perspective to... Uh, to pursue this and see if we can come up with something that um, that makes sure that all of our um, citizens have, have the opportunity. Telluride Town Council member Dan Enright echoes the importance of buy-in when it comes to those details. If we move forward on the feasibility study to Scott Pearson's original comment that we contextualize it in all the other needs of our region with all the stuff coming down the pipeline as part of that conversation, because it's easy to say yes when there's no money on the table. Uh, and it could be another different thing once you look in the context of a new wastewater treatment plant and the new gondola and all, new affordable housing, all these other big infrastructure costs that we very much have coming and have a very pressing need for as well. So making sure that that remains part of the conversation, I think, is important. While the conversation only speaks to baby steps for a potential regional rec center, Pearson says the support is bigger than he anticipated. I'll just say this discussion has been, um, it exceeded my highest expectations. Um, I'm really excited to hear that there's enthusiasm. I, I do recognize it's easy to be enthusiastic for something when there's not a price tag on it. And I fully recognize, you know, the wastewater plant, the gondola, 
medical center, affordable housing. We have a lot of a lot of needs, um, but um, I think um, our kids will uh, will thank us for this, and and, and all of our um, all of our uh, citizens will be very happy to have facility like this. Local governments shared support for putting money towards or looking for grants to help fund a feasibility study when it comes to a regional recreation center. For Joy Harjo, words and poetry have the power to move humanity towards justice and healing. She speaks a lot to story and what it means to share story and live story. That's Joanna Spindler, adult program specialist at the Wilkinson Public Library. She's wonderful and her writing is gorgeous. I know she's resonated so much with so many in our community. On Thursday, Harjo will be joining the library virtually for a conversation with the community. She's just extraordinary. She has a new book coming out called Catching the Light, or It's Just Come Out, her most recent memoir. Harjo is the United States Poet Laureate and the winner of the 2022 Academy for American Poets Leadership Award. And she also is, um, you know, a proud member of Native communities, and we love to celebrate that it's Native American Heritage Month, of course, all year, but this is a good time to do so. As a tease for the event this week, Spindler shared a poem. And this is by Joy Harjo, and it's called Perhaps... The world ends here. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. The table, this table, has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. The conversation with Joy Harjo will take place on Thursday, November 16th at 2 p.m. via Zoom. The registration link is available at telluridelibrary.org. The Bureau of Land Management has two land management plans in the works, and it's looking for input from the public. 
One plan looks to preserve and enhance habitat for the Gunnison sage-grouse in Colorado and Utah. BLM officials note Gunnison sage-grouse is a federally protected species different from the greater sage-grouse. The Gunnison grouse only inhabits portions of Colorado and Utah. The draft plan looks at ways to balance protection and conservation needs when it comes to the sage-grouse habitat with the other activities on BLM land, including recreation, livestock grazing, energy, and minerals. The second management plan analyzes alternatives for evaluating BLM management approaches when it comes to maintaining, conserving, and protecting big game corridors and other big game habitat in Colorado. A 90-day public comment period is currently open. The BLM will be accepting comment through February 6, 2024. The full draft plans and areas for comment are available at go.usa.gov slash XZXXY. A new state law that imposes a three-day waiting period on gun purchases will stay in place while it faces a legal challenge. Gun rights group Rocky Mountain Gun Owners claims the law violates Coloradans' constitutional rights and asked a judge to block it while the federal court case is ongoing. The judge denied the group's request on Monday and ruled the law does not in fact violate the Second Amendment. Waiting periods are meant to avert impulsive acts like suicides, and the judge said the lives they save outweigh the harms to gun sellers. Rocky Mountain gun owners also sued this year over another state law that raises the gun purchasing age to 21. That one remains temporarily blocked. On Friday, the activist group Stolen People, Stolen Benefits will hold a walk in Phoenix to continue raising awareness about the displacement of Native American people who were taken to fake sober living homes. Chris Clements of KSJD reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio. Advocates like Reva Stewart, who do outreach in Phoenix, say they're continuing to see an increase in the number of unhoused people who need help returning to tribal communities like the Zuni Pueblo in New Mexico and the Navajo Nation. That's after Governor of Arizona Katie Hobbs announced that the state would crack down on these fraudulent facilities in May. Stewart says that an activist in their group, who is a White Mountain Apache tribal member, recently lost a close friend due to a drug overdose in a Phoenix-area group home. And no one's speaking up about it. So she, you know, she works in the field. So she's just as angry as, you know, she should be because these facilities just took another life. Almost one year after the first news stories on fraudulent Arizona group homes broke, Stewart says many facilities are finding ways to operate and recruit even after having their payments from the state Medicaid agency suspended. The walk on Friday will start at Steel Indian School Park in downtown Phoenix and go from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. Affordable housing in ski towns and resort communities is a major issue. This is especially true for workers who are the engine of the tourism industry, but who often struggle to find somewhere to live. The Aspen Skiing Company has almost 900 beds in their own employee housing inventory, mostly for seasonal workers. But in the peak season, SkiCo has thousands of employees. They can't all fit in housing SkiCo owns, and a lot of them struggle to find affordable housing on the free market. So, a couple of years ago, the company started something new, called Tenants for Turns. 
Landlords who rent to ski co-employees within certain parameters can get big incentives, like a free season pass, a bundle of lift tickets, or a gift certificate worth $1,500. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Kaya Williams spoke with one landlord, Sarah Cole, and her tenant, ski instructor Dylan Atencio, about their experience with the program. My name's Sarah, and I am the landlord. I have a house in Basalt. My name is Dylan. I do have my own unit, but I'm living in Sarah's house. It's been almost a year since he moved in. He's extended through the whole this next winter season. And, you know, it's just like a familiar face. We don't interact a ton. He has his own entrance. I have my own entrance. But especially in the summer coming and going, we can chat a little bit in the yard. Or there's been times where he's helped watch my boyfriend's dog when we're out of town. Or like it's become like a really nice uh, relationship beyond just like, you know, tenant landlord. Also, sometimes it is a little bit more like domestic life because she has two young daughters. And actually, when I, when I first met them, your, her youngest, like, she, she wouldn't even look at me. I think she was, like, hiding. And, yeah, like, she, she wouldn't, she wouldn't even say hi. Yeah. And now, like, every time I walk past the window toward my entrance and she's there, she'll just run over to the window and just slam herself against the glass. <laughs> to, in, it's, so it's, it's, Yeah, no, they get excited to see her car fall. They're like, Dylan's here. I'm like, cool. <laughs> No, it's, yeah, no, it's nice. It feels yeah a little more, I guess, immersive than just finding some bedroom somewhere in a random apartment complex somewhere. For me, it's been really cool to see because I think a lot of people come to the Valley for the winter. But I remember like telling Dylan, too, I'm like, oh. No, the winter's great, but trust me, you're going to love the summer. And actually also spring and fall are great. And, you know, it's like really fun to see when people see the full scope of things that the Valley has to offer, not only different jobs, but just the changing season. So it was fun to have Dylan extend his lease. And, you know, now he works for like a local gym that opened Ajax Fitness and he's training and he's like becoming a more... I mean, it's almost like I'm proud. I'm like, oh, Dylan, he's like growing into a full like Aspenite. valley. Yeah, yeah, full Aspenite. He's not just the one season ski instructor. It's it's cool to see you actually like integrating into yeah, just like a member of the valley. That. Yeah. Well, also, I didn't find the gym that I work at now if it wasn't for living with in Sarah's house because I found it through her boyfriend. I mean, I would say if you're looking into this program, you know, there's no harm in at least reaching out to have a conversation at minimum um, and seeing if it's a good fit. But also if, if like the opportunities that come with it are, are pretty great and it's a very good way to get your foot in the door in like a, probably a little more of a meaningful way than just living with other seasonal employees surrounding you and actually being much more immersed in the community. The hardest thing of moving here is to find the housing in the first place. I know for me, like, it feels good to help out with this sort of crushing, like, housing problem that we have in this valley. And as someone who also works in the outdoor and ski industry, like, I know that that's definitely a something that we have to be aware of in any ski town. Like, we, we have to have people that can work here and live here to keep it all moving. And then the unexpected benefits of, yeah, you might meet a friend or, you know, just help out young people coming in, breaking into the valley and then get to see them. You know, maybe they do only stay for a season or maybe they 
continue and they find another job and they kind of integrate into the valley. So there is kind of that altruistic feeling. It feels good to help people. And it also feels great to get your premier pass paid for. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for rain and snow showers tonight with a low in the mid-30s. Thursday, there's an 80% chance of rain and snow showers with a high in the mid-40s. Thursday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a 20% chance of rain and snow showers. The low is around 30 degrees. Friday calls for sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night with a chance of snow. The high is near 50 degrees with a low near 30. This has been the news for Wednesday, November 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hi, it's Katie with Bright Futures here. Are you looking for meaningful work to supplement your ski bum lifestyle? We've got just the opportunity for you. You can give back and serve the young children in our community in the Early Childhood Teacher and Training AmeriCorps program. You will serve part-time in a child care center in Telluride through the end of July so you can experience Telluride summer. You will receive individualized coaching and college-level classes to gain skills and hands-on experience. You'll also gain a living stipend and an education award. Please contact Katie at AmeriCorps at brightfuturesforchildren.org. That's AmeriCorps spelled A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-P-S at brightfuturesforchildren.org. Hi, I'm Sia. And I'm Ev. We're here to tell you about the annual San Miguel County Turkey Trot on Thanksgiving morning, Thursday, November 23rd. This free 5K fun run and walk is a holiday tradition for your whole family. Costumes are encouraged and dogs on a leash are welcome. The event is held down in Ilium Valley at the intersection of Ilium Road and Sunshine Mesa Road. Racers can check in between 9 o'clock and 9.25 a.m. to get a race bib. A, a volunteer will check you in near the entrance to the parking area in front of the old Ilium Church Camp. The race will start at 9.45 a.m. Registration is online. You can pre-register at bit.ly forward slash SMC Turkey Trot 23. The registration deadline is Wednesday, November 22nd by 2 o'clock p.m. Prizes will be awarded to the fastest female, fastest male, fastest child under 12, and best costume. Questions? Please call the Parks and Open Space Department at 970-729-1829 or check out the Turkey Trot information on the county website. Thanks, and we look forward to seeing you on Thanksgiving morning. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.